Hello, and welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, rate, review, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We want to hear your thoughts on the movies and shows we review. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or our YouTube channel, and we will read them during the show. Or reach out to us on social media. We love talking all things entertainment and pop culture with you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Delora, Delora, are you ready for an international vacation? Ciao, Bella. (laughs) Indeed, we are headed to Italy, girl, because as we talked about last week, we are recapping the White Lotus season two. If you guys are fans, you know, season one was in Maui. And now for season two, we're headed to Sicily. All right, Delora. This show premiered back October 30th, 2022 on HBO, seven hour longish episodes, and it has already officially been renewed for a third season. Apparently it's going to be in Asia. I've read Thailand. So we'll see how that next adventure goes. But yes, Thailand. I think Italy was a fun choice because you and I were just saying that we got to go IRL because cannot wait till I go. It gorgeous i mean honestly gorgeous <laughs> the b-roll alone was like sold where am, <laughs> where is this exactly where are the hotels <laughs> minus all of the shenanigans i will go to the white lotus any day okay quick summary an all-star cast head to a resort and unleash their worst most privileged impulses Season two, as we discussed, follows various guests in the White Lotus in Sicily over the span of a week. Created by Mike White, cast Aubrey Plaza as Harper, Theo James as Cameron, Will Sharp as Ethan, Megan Fahey as Daphne, Jennifer Coolidge as Tanya, John Grease as Greg, Haley Lou Richardson as Portia, Adam DeMarco as Albie, Michael Imperioli as Dominic, F. Murray Abraham as Bert, Simona Tabasco as Lucia, Beatrice Grano as Mia, Leo Waddell as Jack, Tom Hollander as Quentin, and Sabrina Imaciatore, hope I got that right, ma'am, as Valentina reviews so for season two rotten tomatoes critic score is 93 percent audience score is 73 percent and i could not find a distinction between season one and season two so let's just say overall for both google users gave this series an 81 percent delora this has been nominated and won many an award it is back in contention for emmys uh for the next round of awards getting passed out. So 43 awards and nominations for White Lotus as a whole, which is quite impressive. Do you agree with the critics on your grade? What are you giving the White Lotus season two? So I had the privilege of watching season two for this recap, and I did not watch season one. Here are all the things I really enjoyed. I thought the acting was phenomenal. The location was everything. However, in my personal opinion, things didn't start getting spicy until episode five. And it felt like the buildup in some cases was absolutely worth it. However, it felt long a little bit at times, a lot of tension building, which again, in some cases I appreciate and others I'm like, fast forward. (laughs) (laughs) You also got to watch it as a binge versus watching it week to week release. Like those of us who watched it when it was airing, that tension build up when it was airing was everything. 
Okay. Thank you for that perspective. Overall, my grade for White Lotus season two is a B. I still do not have anything down for a grade for this because I was debating in my heart. I'm trying to give grades based off of my initial impression more so than sometimes my jaded second impression. Because, Delora, as you know, (laughs) I had some technical difficulties with the Max app for this second watch. So to say that it tainted the experience for me is an understatement, right? But that first watch through, because I did watch the first season, the first season for me was interesting but it it wasn't like oh I can't wait for a second season like the first season still had a great cast but it it didn't move me quite in the same way like it was a lot more about you know these wealthy white rich people just kind of getting on your nerves and showing their ass with their privilege type thing more than this season you're really getting into humanity in a different way I guess is the best way to say it it's so funny that you say that because that's one thing that Michael White said that with this series season one was about money and this season was about sex and that's facts and I'm like ooh, I see I see that that's facts so in season one you had a lot of um, comments and feelings about, again, that that richness, that being upper class and what the, how those people operate and what they're like and what the trickle down is like on others from that privilege. And this season is definitely about, in my opinion, sex is power mm. and how do you wield it and how do people manipulate because of it type thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I just, like I said, I think it delved into humanity just a little bit differently. So I enjoyed this season more. Maybe I like sex more than money. I don't think so, but. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> that the question? <laughs> but I think I enjoyed the ride of it. Like, like I said, watching it week after week, I was riveted. Like, especially to your point, by episode like five, you start to get this tone of like something dark is going on by episode six it's like oh shit but episode seven mind blown mind blown by the end so I think based on my first impression I want to give it like an a a minus because I really did enjoy the ride of season two so okay um another caveat on my grade I the season was spoiled for me for the big to do right so I knew that going in but I did appreciate the build-up to it because I have thoughts on that as well I'm so sorry it was spoiled for you because that was one of the most shocking things about the finale for me Mm. we won't get into it yet guys spoiler alert we're about to go ahead and to get into the good good of the show so sometimes we deviate from our usual formula and not necessarily go episode by episode. And this is one that due to the uniqueness of the way the stories unfold, I would rather focus on the characters' journeys throughout the season than just go episode by episode. So, Laura, I want to start by talking about our couples, our two main couples, Harper and Ethan and Daphne and Cameron. So these couples have come to the White Lotus on vacation together because... The two guys, Ethan and Cameron, are old college roomies, right? Harper and Ethan are new money. They just they just got a windfall from his business ventures. And mm-hmm. these couple, these two couples have decided to hang out, but they don't seem like they like each other off the bat. Like you get a lot of tension, you get a lot of buildup of, you know, polar opposites and their approaches to life and their thoughts. You know, Daffy and Cameron, they don't even vote. If that's not the most white woman thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Did you prefer one couple to the other when we first meet them? You understand what I mean by that statement. It's a very privileged thought because a lot of things you don't think have an impact on you directly. If they did, you will be more inclined to be involved. And when it doesn't matter (laughs) at the end of the day, it's like, Oh, you're good either way. So it doesn't matter if I vote. But at least she said she thought she did. Cameron was the most flippant about it. Like, doesn't matter. Why vote? It doesn't matter. My money's good. 
it reminded me of Wednesday and her werewolf friend, like the dark and, and the bubbly. Did I have a favorite couple off the bat? I did not. With Cameron and Daphne, I definitely felt the f- facade, the veneer quite quickly, frankly. He definitely came off as the quote unquote jock or alpha male who is only interested in what pleases him, whether that's getting that money or getting in those draws. Mm-hmm. Daphne is the quintessential I married probably a horrible man, but I have money and I am comfortable and therefore he can do whatever he does off to the side as long as I'm good with my babies. When it came to Harper and Ethan, Ethan has my heart a little bit. I have a soft spot for nerdy men. <laughs> you weren't alone. The internets were lusting after Ethan when this season aired. I needed him to have a better haircut though, but Ethan, again, he seemed like a sweet, smart guy who married a beautiful woman, but she just seemed overly critical. It's like, I understand complaining about the people, but it just seemed excessive. I will also say watching this show, I was like, oh, great. Another show where no one's truly likable. Great. (laughs) That's life, isn't it? I know because no one's all good and no one's all bad. Especially if you get to see people to the extent that these cameras are revealing. Like if we were in people's lives 24 seven, I wouldn't even like myself if I was put (laughs) on camera to this extent. I'd be like, oh God, that was a bad day. You did not need a camera rolling for that. Touche. So no, I didn't have a, I didn't have a, a favorite couple. Although I appreciated the authenticity and Harper and Ethan's commitment to each other, but she just seemed like she had a lot of restrictions for him. And it's just like, can the man live? It was the ordering of the meals thing for me. Thank of like, you. Why do I have to ask if I can get white fish? How about we order separately? Like, why are we having to order together and then make this executive decision? I didn't understand that dynamic. I I didn't have a favorite couple between the two, but I was definitely rooting for Harper and Ethan to figure their shit out throughout the season, right? Because yes. there was the fact that they weren't having sex. There was the fact that it seemed right. like there was a spark that had diminished to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to figure it out because I did like that. Even if you don't always have good days, even if your wife is critical, even if you are to a certain extent, not as communicative as you need to be about certain things, yes, Ethan. Yes, yes. Um, There's something good there. And there was something like honest there. Whereas for me, Daphne and Cameron lived in a web of lies, right? And, and they enjoyed it. And they enjoyed it. <laughs> they both yes. thrived in the environment that they have created for their marriage, but they're not a couple that I could adamantly root for because I'm like, are somebody going to murder somebody in the future? Like, how is this going to go down? Because that may not be your son, sir. (laughs) House of Cards. When she showed her that picture of that blonde hair, blue eyed baby, I'm like, she knew exactly what she was doing. Girl, and that was such, I literally had in my notes from that episode, I said, Daphne is diabolical. Listen, and Cameron, Cameron, do you think he ever questioned the paternity? I think the scene where she was, he was coming out of the bathroom onto the FaceTime with the kids and he had a moment of pause and fr- not yes. frustration, but like, do I really have to do this? Was also a tale that I think he knows that there's doubt. That he knows that there could be a question. Because I saw that agitation for sure. I think that's what that was supposed to potentially indicate. Because again, they give this facade and I think they do really still like each other, love each other, have great sexual chemistry, all of that. But beneath that, I think that Daphne may murder him in his sleep someday. Because when she kept saying throughout the season, like, you have to do what you have to do to make yourself feel better, to make yourself not feel like a victim of life. How long until Cameron does something that you're not going to have a fix for and you're just going to kill that man in his sleep? I never thought about murder per se, but she's gonna be on Snap, I... Delora. She's gonna be on an episode <laughs> on Snap. 
<laughs> you can't you can't keep pushing her buttons because you could see when the facade would fade after revelations too you would see yes. it you would see her face drop crumble and then she would put the <laughs> smile back on and be like you know what i've already i've already calculated back. in my head my get back on this i've already calculated it's just not a way to live life for me personally because the relationship was absolutely shallow. I'm like, this is House of Cards. Yeah, like literally from the show. <laughs> could be a House of Cards marriage. They could have fit right in in that world. So let's talk about the Harper Cameron situation that Dieter did not go down. So during a day away, literally a day and like a night away, the boys got into some things, including some hookers draws, Cameron specifically. But he chose to have sex in Ethan and Harper's room. So when Harper gets back, she found that condom wrapper and she was she was stewing on it for like a day before it finally came to the forefront because she had it like sitting in the bathroom and Ethan was like, all right, here's what happened. But Harper was like, I don't think Harper could really let that go. She had to get that get back, as Daphne kept saying. And so she went up to the room. Something may or may not have happened. When Ethan confronted her about it, she said, he kissed me. That was it. But he was having all sorts of fantasies about them getting it in. Delora, did they or didn't they? I think they did. I don't think they had sex, but they definitely did some heavy petting. I definitely mm. believe that. And again, because they don't lie to each other, the fact that they can see through each other's bullshit. I'm like, man, what are y'all doing? Cameron and Daphne are not worth it. <laughs> I mean, there are some very good looking people. So the temptation well, to listen, climb this tree that is Cameron. James is one of my Hollywood crushes and it's not, I, it actually wasn't even divergent for me. I actually, I don't know what it was, but when I found out he was a dick in the show, that was heartbreaking for I me. I told you you wasn't going to like him. I'm so sorry. I told you he was not going to be <sighs> someone you liked, but you can still have hate sex with people you don't like, right? So I feel like... <laughs> Time Traveler's Wife, he was lovely in that show. Oh, I never and watched the series. Naked yeah, I forgot. Because the, the movie, I boohooed on the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Couldn't watch the show. The show was decent. It was decent, but it wasn't picked up for a second season show. Shout out to him for having a contract with HBO. But yeah, something went down. I don't think he had the time to whip it out, but he would have. And he has a major problem. The fact that he, again, he's a bully. When they reveal that Cameron will would steal Ethan's crushes before mm -hmm. Ethan had the chance to say anything. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is not your friend. I don't understand male relationships sometimes, but that right there was unacceptable for me personally. I also feel like we're too grown. Even if that was a dynamic when we were younger, I'm too grown now to still associate with people who would try to make me feel that way. Like, I feel like, you are close to those people sometimes out of proximity because proximity, yeah, we're in school together, whatever. Proximity, exactly. But I have to have, I'm, <laughs> and I'm rich and you really brought me on here because you want to get into my pants money and business wise. Listen, and he was like, this, she's my wife, not my fucking girlfriend. I felt so satisfied. Again, guys, disclaimer, we do not condone violence on this podcast, but I was so satisfied <laughs> with the ocean showdown. Like when I he got like, that last lick in, I was like, yes. Yes, Ethan. And Cameron's so diabolical. He laughed at the end of it. And honestly, Cameron was such a hoe. He was willing to stick his dick in Ethan. You remember that scene? I think that he is a special person. And... <laughs> I think Cameron has a lot going on that we will never find out about and maybe his wife will never find out about until he's murdered in the bed one morning. And I say that in terms of his, him being attracted to Ethan because I think he has like this borderline obsession over his success that he's just like, I want I want to take it. I want to take you. I want to, you know what I mean? Like it's have dominating. Some type of power. It, yeah, it's exactly. like he wants to dominate him in yes. every way possible. But yes. the ultimate lick back for me with Ethan is that Daphne and Ethan fuck. Did it's, they? Hev it's heavily implied. So it's I up know. for speculation, but I'm going to say that even one more tier. 
at dinner. Yep. Even more than the situation with Harper and Cameron, I am convinced because Daphne, she wanted that leg back too. And so, hey, Ethan said, hey, you thought you had something going? I fucked your wife. Okay? But it's like, why did he go all the way with Daphne when Harper claimed that it was just a kiss and heavy petting? Because he was driving himself crazy. <laughs> I think it's why. But my final question to you about this, these two couples, and we can move on to our next few characters, is by the end, both couples seem like they're in good places. And not just good, Harper and Ethan seem like they're in a better place than when the season started. So was this, were these shenanigans better for their relationship or worse? Did it do more good inevitably than harm? So with Cameron and Daphne, it was a Tuesday for them. So <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Man, she probably didn't fuck some of his she probably didn't fuck some of his co-workers, honestly. But when it came to Harper and Ethan, I was a little bit heartbroken because I'm like, you let this toxic ass couple infiltrate your relationship in such a way that y'all are doing things that you thought you never would do. So yes, at the end, they found their spark, but at to what cost? Because that tit for tat is not love. Of course, I'm thinking biblically, love is patient, love is kind. Like what they were doing was vindictive and not based out of love. So I, I don't know what they say, uh, the end justified the means mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. But me personally, I would prefer not to have all that entanglement like the Cameron again being so diabolical he's like monogamy was created for the wealthy and the powerful to, to keep the middle, the middle class in check and there, you know there's a lot to be said about monogamy um in general but that's what you vowed to do in your marriage in front of i'm sure a bunch of people because again cameron and daphne are showy ass people so i know they had the best wedding at the best venue with the best food in front yeah. of the most important people yeah can i just say too that harper and daphne had my favorite wardrobes in this season there were some looks They're like i think there was again wednesday and her friend eden <laughs> yeah but there were some looks like even i think there was like a white dress that harper wore for like buttons and the sides cut out and then i really like this one green dress she wore like they had my favorite outfits and i was like man rich people <laughs> where did y'all get these clothes love it it's so interesting if anything i probably like harper's look a little bit more as she became more comfortable, like obviously in the very beginning of the season, very, you know, stringent black and, you know, but she loosened up as the season went on, obviously. Right. I, I tell you too, I'm like, I got to set my wardrobe up when I go on vacation. I am so good for comfy these days. <laughs> like I do not be trying to serve a look necessarily on vacation. I'd be like, all right, let me just be in my athleisure. And they were like, I was like, maybe I need to pack some looks on a vacation really put in some effort but I don't have a wardrobe stylist on call so anyway let's move on Delora to Albie Dominic and Bert okay this is a three generation father-son family coming to Italy trying to connect with their familial roots right because they have ties to Sicily like I believe it's Bert's mother or yes. grandmother packed mm -hmm. up and moved out. So they wanted to come back and find their roots, the ancestors, the family tree, all those things. Mm -hmm. But along the way, there's a lot that comes out about these father-son relations, right? You got Bert, the old head who's flirting and farting at every woman who walks his way. <laughs> you got Dominic, who is a serial cheater, and yet still is trying to create bridges to get back together with his wife after being caught for, I guess, the umpteenth time. So much so that the wife and the daughter chose not to come on this family trip. Only Albie, the son, did for whatever reason. Then you got Albie out here trying to find love. He thinks he's about to have a from scratch moment, Delora, because he's... <laughs> 
He's trying to wife every woman he can find on this resort. He said wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. So wide-eyed, so innocent, so sweet. What a dynamic. But let me ask you this. After multiple conversations, after we see a lot between the, the family, is Albie ultimately doomed to follow in his father and grandfather's footsteps? I'd say after this particular vacation, it's looking pretty grim. However... <laughs> I think there is still hope for Albie. I think there's still hope. Granted, what happened to him doesn't help things. Because again, it's like looking at Bert and Dominic. It's like, who hurt them? Like, do you just not like women or women just disposable to you? Obviously, with the conversation specifically between Dominic and Bert, like, he's like, you thought you were discreet? You didn't think I saw my mama crying every night? Why didn't she leave? You and I as women know why she didn't leave. She didn't have the choice or the freedoms or the opportunities to leave. So she stayed. And that's also societal norms of and expectations that she would. That's why she didn't leave. It broke my heart when Dominic was like, she died a bitter woman. And all Bert could reply was, I loved her and she loved me. It was also that level of like not taking accountability that I it seemed yes. like hopefully was going to change because you have Bert who has that mentality. Then you have Dominic who's like, I know I fucked up. I know I need to do better. And then you have Albie who's like, y'all are trash and I don't plan <laughs> to be anything like either of you. What is the male term for a nymphomaniac because i felt like dominic had a serious problem yeah or, that, or he was bored like i don't know what his thing was that he we have all these negative connotations for a woman's sexuality but when it comes to a man like how wasn't heavy enough for me <laughs> well it, i mean he may have had a sexual addiction of some kind we so we saw dominic be another person who's utilizing the same hooker Really, the first one who was utilizing this hooker, her name is Lucia in the show. We're yes. going to talk about Lucia and Mia, her friend that she's dragged along on all her <laughs> excursions. And the fact that he's coming here and he's talking all this game. And yet the first thing you did before you even got to town was find a hooker because she was waiting for you to see what yes. you looked like when you arrived, yes. bro. So how are you trying to do better? And then you're when that when that you're trying to do better with that, then you open up porn on the laptop. Like, I don't know what the psychology was with him, but it may be another person who has excess because, again, he was very wealthy as well. And do True. you just get bored? Is it just boredom or is it really an again, addiction? To quote Cameron again, the really successful people are horny. <laughs> Everybody's horny, but we don't all try to make these types of provisions to take care of it. Like, my guy, you found her on the internet before you even exactly. got to Italy. Like, exactly. that's that's wild. So Lucia ends up in a relations situation with old Albie. So Albie, being the innocent that he is, really thought that he had fucked around and fell in love. Albie thought he was about the pretty woman Lucia take her back to Los Angeles and make her an honest woman Delora shout out to Kish Quotient which is one of my favorite rom-com books of like all time it's the backwards version of that it's by Helen Hong male escort with a female client so I Lucia is an actress okay give her the Oscar for her performance. She, she ran game on this dude. When I was watching it the first time, I didn't even think it was insincere. Like, I was like, oh, she really does like you. Maybe she really is looking to you to be someone she can have a life with. Silly me. I, I had that same it. mentality. Binging it. I, w I was suspicious because I'm like, she's been floating around this hotel this whole time and now she has this aggressive person like when she showed up her and her uh friend mia had nothing to say about having a quote-unquote pimp or whatever that wanted to control her so i was like mm, 
I don't know about this. Actor, friend that she had played the long game for this week that she was messing with this boy. It was masterful. Did you feel bad for Albie that she inevitably played him? No, I don't. Because how can I put this? He should have, hopefully this is a wake up call for him. I, <laughs> his you agree with Dominic. Yeah, he was like, you cannot be this easy of a mark in life, son. You cannot be this cannot. easy. 50,000 euros he gave this woman again, off the back of his mama. You have, you know, common sense isn't all that common, Ashley. And that <laughs> is something I've come to learn. And sometimes, I'm going to say this multiple times throughout this episode. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. I think he had watched one too many films. I think he was a rom-com lover. I think he had watched Pretty Woman and thought he was about to be Richard Gere because you know that she's had multiple clients. You don't know about your daddy, but you know at least she was messing around with uh, Cameron because you saw that exchange and him yep. her, her needing her money from him. But you thought you were going to be the one to um, change her life. It was fascinating. Oh, what I was alluding to with the stupid game super prizes, I think that's what he gets for playing stupid games with Portia. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, that's what you get when you let your heart win. <laughs> Shout out to Paramore. <laughs> Before we get to Portia real quick, I was just going to say that I think I was on Team Albie in terms of being like, oh, you were just trying until you fucked around and put this woman over your own mother. Like when he agreed to put in a good word for his father, knowing his father still ain't shit. In order to get this money, this girl you'd only known for a handful of days over the woman who gave birth to you, you lost me. He was thinking with his second head, uh, Ashley. So. You lost me. You lost me. And he so then, he was in love. whatever. So then, with Portia, the first young lady he connected with who tossed him to the side for arguably, I don't know, I wasn't Team Jack, so I, I didn't really connect with him or find him attractive, but someone she found more attractive because Portia his wanted her. Portia wanted her an adventure. She ain't want this little nice boy. Why do you think that they reconnected by the end of the series? Was that a good idea? After all of the shenanigans and everything they both went through, why did they exchange numbers? Because why not? <laughs> I say that because their connection was the most authentic. And again, Portia got on my first and last nerves being so indecisive. But then I also was annoyed with Albie because it's like, just because you connected with her doesn't mean you own her or possess her. And I'm like, he's also the type of guy who I went to standard is his personality. Apparently he has nothing else to He was telling everybody he went to Stanford, didn't he? Like, first Star conversation, I went to Stanford. Is that all? Is the, is, does that encompass who you are? If not, you need to live a little bit more life then. I was frustrated again. A lot of the show, I was like, everybody's getting on my, my nerves. I don't know who I'm rooting for. But when it came to Portia and LB, them reconnecting at the end, I think, you know, what they say, sometimes you got to lean in your first instinct. I think that would have been a lot healthier and probably... <laughs> boring to watch as a viewer but at least they would have prevented a lot of heartache i know it was like we both got scarred up on this trip let's just let's just go ahead and exchange numbers and come back hopefully to a more normal reality because i mean they went through it but before we get to portia's portion of the series with tanya and all of that let's talk about lucia and mia so again, Lucia is a prostitute who has come to the hotel to be with Dominic initially. And then because Dominic's trying to be on the good foot, she has to find some other customers. She's dragging her friend Mia along. But Mia is an aspiring singer. So Mia kind of has her own motivations for stuff too. And they both end up using sex as the means to get what they want. Were they just playing the game? I mean, these girls are, the internet dubbed them some people, they're girls by the end of the season. So were they just playing the game? Were you rooting for them to get the things that they wanted? Uh, in the beginning, I actually was rooting for them. I, you know, 
was under the impression that they're just trying to find their way in the world and they have each other. But to what extent, right? Mia drugging the Giuseppe and then uh, Lucia. That was an accident though. <laughs> she could have been more thorough in identifying those drugs. And been. then what Lucia did with running up Dominic's tab and playing Albie, it's kind of like, yeah, it's doing too much for me. You know, there were moments where I had like indecisiveness about my feelings, particularly I think more with Mia than Lucia. Like I think Lucia came into this sh- season much more confident knowing who she was and what she was doing and what she was doing before and part of me felt like Mia was being dragged along and while she had goals she wasn't on the same page and so it was like are you just letting life happen to you Mia like what are you doing why are you why are you in this I I thought she she wasn't a prostitute but then she started sleeping with people and I'm like well she wasn't are you are are you not she threw that drink in Giuseppe's face when he first you know propositioned her right yeah but then she started seeing the power that she inevitably got from that sexual currency and she started using it remember the scene where Lucia was like I've created a monster (laughs) because Mia had (laughs) recognized and dived into that power so I think by the end of the season I was happy for both of them to move into the direction that they both were aspiring to go into with Mia getting the opportunity to sing at the resort and being the main singer for that and then you have Lucia who got the money she needed to open up her own store I think one thing that I gravitated towards about Mia too was when Mia had the situation with Valentina like sure Valentina gave her something that she wanted but when she inevitably opened Valentina up to a sexual mm-hmm. experience that she had been wanting I felt like well there's a difference then like you also are willing to um help somebody Compared not to use Gia, somebody yeah who gave Albie the first one for free and ultimately decided to <laughs> play that long game go for the goal okay yeah I mean I wasn't mad at either of them like I do chalk it up to the game like Lucia told y'all up front I'm a prostitute and I have sex for money so if you're willing to pay me for that service then that is what it is but I did have moments where at first with Mia I was like I don't know if this is the life for you and then by the end I was like okay you, you, you're wielding your sexual energy as you choose to. You also had this very nice moment with Valentina. Appreciate you for that. And yeah, y'all keep it moving. Do y'all thing, live y'all life. Um, let's talk about Valentina. So Valentina is the manager director of the resort. She lacked so much tact to me when the season first started. I didn't like her at all because of that. I was like, are you in charge? When How? She, when she told Tanya she looked like Peppa Pig, I was like, bro, like you're just rude. Like you're just rude. She told Bert, she was like, I'm surprised you made it here. This is a long trip and you're old. I, she rubbed me the wrong way for sure. I think what I ended up realizing is you just needed some good sex. Like you're so, you're so sexually frustrated. That's why you even saw her dynamic with a lot of men because we don't know her sexual experience had been like leading up to that, but she, what she wanted, she had never gotten. So I think there was like some animosity that she had towards the men we saw her interact with. And like I said, she just needed, because once she got that good sex, she was much nicer to old Rocco. She welcomed him back to the front desk. <laughs> Hopefully but she gets some sex I, in the future. I thought it was fascinating was um, the young lady that, again, I wasn't really clear on her sexuality until much later, which was intentional, but when Isabella walked up to her to compliment her and the way she was like borderline possessive over her, I was like, oh my gosh, like, has no one ever shown you any type of love? I mean, come to find out, no, right? Not, um, not the love she wanted. Exactly. Her evolution was, it was fun to watch in terms of it, like it helped explain a lot, right? Because, Yeah. Definitely Oscar the Grouch. (laughs) 
All right, let's move on to our final group of characters to discuss for the season. Woo! Tanya, Greg, Quentin, Portia, and Jack. So Tanya and Greg are the characters who are the through line from season one because they met in season one at the White Lotus in Maui. But by season two, they're married. They had just met and just like went out for the first couple of times. We see them at the airport together to end season one. So for season two, okay, we're married now. Greg had uh, health issues in season one. Now he seems healthy and looking good and all of that. But they don't seem like they're relationship is necessarily a great one greg seems constantly annoyed with tanya granted tanya is a lot that is the understatement i know i know i all i could say was she is effing obnoxious yeah i despise tanya i'm gonna be honest i despise her character she's a lot i'm not alone she's no because she's very self-involved she's very needy and she's very aggravating with her behavior as a result. Like one assumes that by a certain age, you're able to channel that energy and that behavior. And because I think of Tanya's entitlement and being rich, she's never had to because life humbles you. And yes, Tanya does get humbled throughout the season, but yeah, but she still has a lot of privilege in the position she holds. And so she's like a toddler sometimes with her behavior, the way she would throw these little fits, they have these breakdowns when like Greg's like, I got to go for a couple of days for work. Her crying scenes, I wanted to throw something at the TV. (laughs) Like you are a grown woman, please get it together. It was awful. It was and very cringy. Treated her assistant. It's like, no. Hi, he doesn't want to see you. Is she disposable? The way that she told her when she was like, Oh, I think I want to take a nap, but don't leave. Stay in the room. Go, can you just go sit on the couch? She treated people. She used people, I guess is the best way to say it, in my opinion. And that carries over from yes. season one. In season one, mm-hmm. Natasha. Rothwell's character, Belinda, was the spa manager. She used her in her loneliness. And then once she met Greg, she disposed of her. And she had promised to work with her on a business because Belinda wanted to open up her own spa, her own wellness center. Mm -hmm. She made Mm -hmm. Belinda cry. She made Natasha's character cry by the end of the season because she pulled out of wanting to partner with her on this business. Wow. Yeah. So Tanya ain't my fave, but enter Quentin and his nephew, quote unquote, Jack, who are British and are staying in Palermo. They've been staying there for a while. uh, Quentin rather has a villa. It comes from wealth, all this and that. Wine them, dine them, want to throw a party in Tanya's honor, all this and that. I have literally be careful what you wish for, because remember, Portia wanted an adventure. She sure gets one when she gets entangled with Jack. And I feel like Tanya was always seeking companionship. And she damn sure got that from Quentin. She sure did. So we already talked about, did you like Tanya? But how quickly did you discover that Quentin did not have good intentions? I knew he didn't have good intentions when he started talking about killing for beauty. I thought that Mm. was odd. Also, I felt like he was gassing her up from the beginning. Like, I don't know if I felt like I would have been able to say like, oh yeah, Italian's wealthy just solely by looking at her. But in media, whether television, movies, books, there is this thing of like the European grifter almost, right? Like you have access to people with titles and wealth, but you yourself are cash poor right and the way he started flattering her I was like "Mm, it seems a bit targeted a little bit I did get that vibe because I just was unsure but they played it so well because him having his quote-unquote nephew along to keep Portia busy I didn't see that coming although I never fully trusted Jack either once you have the scene where Jack is fucking Quentin. (laughs) I mean, it's a 
app, obviously. But that was so shocking, Delora, when the show was airing. It was so shocking. I knew something was up before we got to that explicit scene, though. When they were there at night and he was like, oh, I got to do something for my uncle. I was like, nope, uh, uh-uh, I don't trust it. And then again, really, uh, Tanya, how long was she going to stand there? I'm like, do you want to get caught? You don't know these people. And that's another thing I kept saying while watching it. It's like when it came to anybody, really, y'all don't know these people. That is for damn sure. I've never taken a trip and then felt comfortable going off on my own with anyone. I don't care if it's a group of people. I don't care if it's one person. Like, I definitely think they got way too comfortable with them way too quickly. And I think Tanya, for her, was like, oh, to her point, he has wealth, so he's not going to try to take advantage of me. You don't know anything about him. And so once she picked up that picture of him, And what looked to be her husband, Greg, I was like, oh, my God, he's trying to kill you. Right. Because this is a devious plot that is unfolding. I'm not going to lie. Before the Greg revelation, I was convinced that she was going to be like sacrificed for some type of weird cult shit. I Mm. really did. It just was very I don't know what season one was like, but the zoning in on these ancient pictures and it's a tone it's a weird tone it was a weird vibe and then when she seeks um out spiritual help with the psychic i'm like so you're gonna kick this woman out before she got a chance to tell you what she saw you brought her in warned you she said greg is in love with somebody else and then you could clearly see she was in distress by the end she was probably about to tell you you're about to die good die exactly but she didn't want to hear it and it's like is that what it's like to be rich where it's like oh i'll just stick my head in the sand I tell you one thing. I don't want to hear. I tell you one thing that's eerie from season one to season two, and why I should have known that Tanya was not going to make it through this season is in season one when she meets Greg, she literally says, "Death is the last immersive experience that I have not been through yet." Yep. Or shadowing. So that whole scene on the boat when. By the time she talks to Portia, and that's the reason why Jack had kidnapped Portia and taken her phone and didn't want them to connect. Because once they connected and they connected those dots, I was like, how are you going to get out of this situation, Tanya? So when she got the gun, she starts shooting everybody and it seemed like, oh, she's going to make it right. And she slips and falls and hits her head on that damn boat and drowns. I was devastated when I saw it for the first time. I was like, you got to be kidding. Like, there's no way she's going out like this. And it's not, again, I despise Tanya. But for one, I was fucked up. And for two, Greg is about to get all that, that money. money. I was like, is Greg the only one winning out of this season? Yes. <laughs> now he's winning and losing because his love his has love. just died. Yeah. So, But I literally said when she slipped and fell, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Are you this much of, like, again, obnoxious obnoxious not it just constantly constantly was going through my mind whenever she showed up on screen and i'm like you are such a fucking idiot why didn't you leap off the boat like old dude did who you why didn't get a chance to shoot i think she has shoes on still or she something had on heels like that. she had on heels I'm but like, there's always a, you take off your shoes there's usually a ladder too to get yes. down to that smaller boat so i just An think idiot. It was devastating to me when I saw it for the first time. I was like, I know y'all ain't about to let it go down like this. I know y'all ain't about to let it go out like this. But what I told you before we started recording is then when I, because I did rewatch the first season again, justice for Belinda. Like I, I do not, I did not want Tanya to necessarily die, but Mike White gave you some karma for that ass, baby. Because again, you've used people. I think Tanya is a user. You died in the ultimate scheme of usury. And that's some karma for your ass, baby. Ooh, what would you have done if you were Portia? Because Jack drops her by the airport, says, don't be stupid. Let First of go. all, that whole interaction was terrifying. And again, that's what you get. You should have just went to Albie, but I feel like 
she was so indecisive like oh well he's like a nice guy and i can i can have fun with someone like a jack oh she what wanted somebody she had she wants somebody to get her heartbeat racing he got it i he also did felt it. like she felt comfortable with jack because he was similar to her of like not knowing what she wanted to do with her life and you know albie she probably felt like she felt insecure interacting with him and she just went with for the safer crazier option but i knew he took her phone i knew that i knew he was keeping her back for some reason like i i saw how they were intentionally separating tanya and portia and all i kept thinking was y'all just met these people and y'all are going separate ways already like i need i need somebody to be with me like I was scared when Tanya was in that room by herself before her Italian stallion, you know, showed up. Cause I'm like, how we know he's not going to lock her in there. Mm-hmm. And Quentin and got again, you doing random drugs and messing oh some strange gosh. dick. Exactly. Anyway, I think Jack felt guilty and was trying to salvage what he's done, what he had done up until that point. But if I were her, I would have gone for the plane. I would have called back to the White Lotus and checked up on Tanya. But well, she says she was trying to call her and her she wasn't answering the phone. And then when Albie tells her people were found dead, I think she knew the answer to what had happened. But it's just like when you I put on the glasses, Jack. when you put on the glasses and the hat, are you a fugitive? I would have gone to the airport, not because I wouldn't have cared for Tanya, but at that point, I would have trusted what Jack had to say. I think being in a foreign country, I definitely am trying to get home. That's my first priority. I don't exactly. want to stay here. I need to go home. Exactly. So I'm sorry. I'm going to get it figured out, but I got to get out of here first. I got to get back to the United States of America and then I can deal with whatever else comes because that was very scary. And I didn't know what Jack was capable of, especially when the facade broke. It was like, oh, girl, because as soon as I couldn't find my phone, I'm not laying back in the bed with you and you're not holding me hostage in the bed. Like, oh, we getting this figured out. If I got to go, where's the closest, where's the closest store? Like, I got to get a new phone right now. And I think that was something that bothered me about Portia. She got really passive in a lot of scenes that I needed her to be a little more gung-ho about. So hopefully Portia made it and it's fine. But they also could say, oh, no loose ends. I mean, Greg is very rich now, so... Portia, watch your back, baby. You was on payroll. He has mm-hmm. all your info. So give me any final thoughts you have about the White Lotus season two adventure in Italy. Everybody needs Jesus, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you see what they did in the chapel. So <laughs> I was like, not in the chapel. At least she said, hey, we can't, I can't look up at the ceiling during this. Like we got to find a new position. So, but again, who knows what priests nuns have done in chapel? Facts. <laughs> Them's the facts, kids. <sighs> Humanity is something. It's, it's complex. And our human brains want to put everything in nice, neat folders, but it's a lot of gray. Yeah. And I felt that for a lot of these interactions, um, I'm interested to see who's going to roll over to season three. I I feel like White Lotus gives me the same vibes as Knives Out movies mm. in terms of, you know, different cast, high profile people and shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans ensue. What do you think the theme may be? If we've done money, we've done sex. What is there to do for season three theme, you think? Well, Mike already said in one of those um, bonus scenes, religion, spirituality, and death. So I wonder what that's going to look like. So Hmm. it's very interesting concepts. And this one definitely was very juicy. For yeah, sure. I feel like if we do religion, maybe it should be more Bali than Thailand, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> Girl, I did not get a chance to rewatch those in 
seen uh, behind the scenes things. I tried one and I kept having my issues. So I said, okay, never mind. We're not going to worry about it. I think that this season was a hell of a ride. Like I said, to me, it was more interesting and had me more on the edge of my seat than season one did. And so um, I'm super curious to see what season three is going to be all about. And if these lush landscapes we get are any indication, I'm going to try to go on a vacation very quickly thereafter because <laughs> I'm getting serious FOMO looking at these beautiful beaches in this gorgeous. beautiful water. But what I will say to, the, to you, Ashley, is was that a live volcano erupting while they were there? <laughs> Because to me, I was like, okay, this is another white person vacation as well. It's like, we see active lava from this volcano. We're like, let's go to the beach. Indicative of the tone, I think, more than anything. Then that for, for them to be concerned about anything, just supposed to add that extra layer of tension to everything. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how many Emmys they win. We'll see what happens with season three. But guys, thank you who deserve the awards in your opinion um because these supporting actors and actor categories are stacked with them there's no one person that i have some strong opinion about in terms of deserving an award for this i think it was a lot of um continuity for me with the whole cast in terms of like their acting and playing off of each other and all of that yeah. so there's not just one I mean I think Jennifer Coolidge is likely going to win just because of the craziness that her character ultimately goes through I didn't enjoy her at all though yeah but in terms of acting I think she has a great shot of winning again because she won for season one as well but was it a lot of acting on her part in terms of like her character she she would probably be even more annoying to you in season one because she was like depressed when she first got there again. She depended heavily on Belinda. Belinda is an employee, yet she, you're forcing her to go to dinner with you every night so you're not alone. And it was a lot. So it's a through line of her character that you would notice. But yeah, okay. I don't have any I don't have any standout favorites. So we'll see what happens. But again, guys, that is the recap. We thank you for joining us for this. Hopefully you enjoyed season two and looking forward to season three. Delora, let's wrap ourselves out with our hidden gems as usual. What you got for the people? So I have two and they were originally for our last recap, The Perfect Fine. Check out that recap. We had Dumb Black Mamas on with us to talk about that movie and the perfect find is written by the lovely the talented tia williams and i wanted to highlight a book that i did read from her it's called seven days in june and man oh man it came out june 1st 2021 it is on on reese witherspoon's book club and an instant new york times bestseller <sighs> again it's a romance novel, it's contemporary literature, it's a it's black love. It's not a rom-com in terms of like everything's happy go lucky. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. There is a lot of drama and some tension and it is just literally one of my favorite books from last year. So I wanted to highlight the author um that wrote the novel for like one of our last recaps. So my next hidden gem is an album. It is by a beautiful singer. Her name is Ray. She is young and she is doing the damn thing. She has her album, My 21st Century Blues. She is a vibe. She is a songwriter. She plays instruments. She's immensely talented. Some of my favorite songs off this album, Oscar winning tears, black mascara is my jam, uh, escapism and five star hotel. Love, love, love. And bust it down. Bust it down is actually quite hilarious. Um, so I highly recommend you all checking it out. What I love about this album is it's diverse in its sound. So like Black Mascara is giving you a techno vibe, but like Five Star Hotel is more R&B. So she has the, the, she runs the gamut in terms of genre and she's immensely talented. So 
Ray, you spell it R A Y E. All right, Ashley, what do you have? All right, I have three. First one is the Small Doses with Amanda Seals podcast, the Tabitha Brown episode in particular. I stayed up mm-hmm. late one time watching it on my phone on YouTube, and I love Tabitha Brown. I love this collaboration. It was a really good conversation. There was so much that I learned about Tabitha and her journey that mm-hmm. I just did not know about. Um, mm-hmm. And I just appreciated like that insight into some of the things she's gone through, including like some racial experiences she had. And it was a good it was a good interview. So I encourage everybody to check that out. I know I- she just released some uh, additional episodes recently that I may listen to, like with Big Sean and oh, some other I things. I always so. listen to Small Doses. It's actually one of my favorite uh, podcasts. Um, Amanda Seals does a good job on it. Very nice. I also love the sets. It was very cute. She wore color for Tabitha. Okay, my second one is Kevin Hart Reality Check. This is on Peacock. This is his latest stand-up. Um, I always enjoy Kevin's stand-up more than his films, and this was not an exception. I enjoy his style and his approach, and I'm also watching the heart-to-heart interviews that he does weekly as well and enjoying those. So I'm just in a little bit of a, a Kevin Hart mode in terms of my entertainment right now on Peacock. So definitely check out the stand-up and check out the heart-to-heart episodes. And then my last one is a series on Hulu called Class of 09. What happens when AI takes over the FBI? This series tackles that by following a group of recruits in the past, present, and future. You have folks like Kate Mara in this cast. And it, to me, was just really interesting. Like some shows that try to deal with like time jumps don't always make it clear where you are. And I think this show did a good job about keeping those lines clear and you always knowing where we are and kind of where we're going and the dynamic between the cast I enjoyed as well um and the messaging because AI obviously is a big thing right now and everybody's talking about it and worried about it so I just thought it was really good and unexpected because I I just found it on Hulu I wasn't looking for it so I definitely encourage everybody to check that series out and that is it guys that is all we are done we're getting out of here but stick with us come back for our next episode Share this episode with friends, family, loved ones, whoever. We appreciate y'all as always. Delora, love you very much. Thank you so much. Love you, Ashley. Bye.